It's great to be here. Thank you very much to Colin, uh, to Amanda, to uh, Katie for inviting me to come. Colin and I were just uh, reminiscing that we first met here uh, when there was a mission campaign in 1980, and that's when we first met. But it's, um, it's always been great to hear what God has done and what God is doing uh, through Kensington Temple and your incredible network uh, of all that you're doing nationally and globally. When people ask me, J. John, what do you do? It's always very difficult to know what to say. Uh, because, you know, if I say to them uh, that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up images in people's minds as to what I might be. If I tell them that I'm a canon in the Church of England, it's like, what on earth does that mean? You know, and if I tell them that I'm an evangelist, again, that conjures up different images. So I like to be creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport, and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. <laughs> I said, where are you going? She says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. We've got orphanages. We have feeding programs. We do justice work. We do reconciliation work. We do marriage work. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> She went, wow. <laughs> I mean, seriously, her wow was so loud, people all turned to look at us. She says, what's it called? <laughs> I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? That's what we belong to. We belong to this global enterprise. And not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone to heaven. I mean, it's amazing. Now, would you say, would you say that Christians are the light of the world? But we're not always switched on. While Christians are asleep in the light, the world is sleeping in darkness. Many Christians have taken literally what Jesus said to three disciples, see that you tell no one. <laughs> Many Christians are like Arctic rivers they're frozen at the mouth. And it, it's amazing how so many Christians can get so absorbed into worship. And yet, conveying and communicating our faith seems very, very difficult. There are two reasons today why people are not yet Christians. One, because they have never met a Christian. Two, they have met a Christian. Those are the two reasons why people today are not Christians. They've either never met a Christian or they have met a Christian. In other words, you and I can make all the difference. All the difference. The Great Commission, it's known as the Great Commission, from Matthew 28, verse 19, it reads like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm Greek, as you've heard. Okay, I'm bilingual. I read the New Testament in Greek. Now, you know when some preachers say the Greek means this? It usually doesn't. <laughs> but 
but I know that RT's good. <laughs> and in fact, for many, many years, any time I have a question, I always ask RT. The Greek word for go means go. <laughs> you know, just in case you thought it didn't mean go, did the Greek word mean something else? No, it means go. It means go. You've got to go. Now, one of your favorite words for Pentecostals, Pentecostals like this, this the, the verse. They like the verse from um, um, Acts. Acts 1 verse 8 is a very popular Pentecostal verse. And it, it reads like this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And Pentecostals love that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But it then goes on and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Now, the Greek word for witness is marturia, from which we derive the word martyr. In other words, it will cost us something to be a witness. And for some people, it will even cost them their lives. It will be costly. So we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, of course, for many other reasons. But one of the most important reasons is so that we can be witnesses. Now, I've been studying this thinking about it, writing about it, lecturing on it. And I've concluded that the best way for us to communicate and to convey our faith to other people is to do three things. Now, years ago, Killy and I, as you heard from RT, we've got three sons. When our firstborn son, Michael, he was about two, he and Killy and I, we were in this department store. And we were down in the basement, and we were looking at a few things, and Michael was with us, and we're just like pottering. Next moment, he's not there. He's gone. And you just get this horrible feeling, and you start looking around, and we, we can't find him. So you think, but he was there, and, and now he's not there, and you think, has he been snatched? You think the worst. And we're, we're running around. Michael, Michael, Michael. Can't find him. And, and I'm thinking, he couldn't have gone upstairs because literally I remember just seeing him like half a minute ago. And, but I thought, well, I'll run upstairs. So I ran upstairs and I'm stopping people. I'm saying, have you seen a little boy? He's two, he's wearing a blue jacket. No, 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 no. I'm running around and I'm shouting, have you seen this little boy? No, no, no. I go up to one of the counters. I said, listen, I've lost my son. And there wasn't much reaction from her, the lady. And I said, have you got a tannoy? And um, she said, yes, we have, but you're not allowed to use it. I said, give it to me now. <laughs> And she wouldn't give it to me, and I jumped over the reception desk, and I got the tannoy, and I said, excuse me, all shoppers, can you please stop now? And I could see people not stopping. I said, I've told you to stop now. A little boy's been lost. He's two years of age. He's wearing a blue jacket. Can you look now? I couldn't care less what people thought of me. Why would I care? Why would I care what people thought of me? I lost my son. That's the kind of analogy that the Bible uses to inspire us and encourage us to seek the lost. You see, a missionary isn't someone who crosses the sea. A missionary is someone who sees the cross. That was really good. Repeat that, repeat that after me. A missionary, I said after me. <laughs> a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. A missionary is someone who sees the cross. You see, if you've seen the cross, 
If you've experienced the cross, how do we experience the cross? The Holy Spirit applies to us what Jesus did on the cross. That's how we know that we're forgiven. And this same Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. So how are we going to do that? Well, I think in three ways. One, by praying. What's number one? By, by praying. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. Isn't that true? When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. I've asked many, many people. I've been in the ministry 36 years. And I've asked many, many people over the years, do you pray for the people that you know who are not yet Christians to come to Christ on a daily basis? And I've asked hundreds of people. For every 10 people I ask, nine say no. I think there is an assumption that we pray. Yes, of course we pray. Oh, yes, of course, every now and again we pray for world evangelization. But to actually become far more intentional in praying, I don't think it's a practice that many Christians do regularly. Now, back to that verse Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses and then we have a strategy. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. What did Jerusalem represent to the first disciples of Jesus? Well, that was where the disciples denied Jesus. Peter denied him publicly. Where were they at the crucifixion? Only John was there. So Jesus said, I want you to start in the place of your greatest failure. Where is that for you and me? Family, friends, neighbours, colleagues. That's our Jerusalem. In other words, if we're going to reach the world, we've got to reach our world. Our world. And then Judea. And then Samaria. And then the ends of the earth. Now, you often hear in churches, oh, go on a missions trip, go on a missions trip. And I, I listen, I'm into those, I love those. Go on a missions trip. Yeah, go on a missions trip. Walk next door. <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> you don't have to spend a year fundraising. Walk next door. You know, so the first thing to do in your Jerusalem is to become intentional in praying for family, friends, neighbours, colleagues, those with whom we have a common kinship with, those with whom we have a common community with, those with whom we have a common interest with, and to pray intentionally, daily. Killy and I, we try and walk, we try and walk every day, two, two miles, sometimes three miles, and uh, we walk, it's good exercise, but we use it as a prayer walk. And it's quite a fast walk. If we do two miles, it's 30 minutes. If we do three miles, it's 45 minutes. And for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, on a daily basis, we pray for the lost. That's what we do. We pray for the lost. We pray. We go through them all. All the people that we know who are on our list, and we're praying that the Lord will remove the scales from their eyes. We're praying that if they won't listen to God during the day, that they'll listen to God while they're sleeping. We're praying that the Lord will illuminate their minds. We're praying that the Lord will, will warm their hearts. We're praying that the Lord will send uh, tangible signs of his grace to these people, wherever they are, connections. And, they, and we're praying with a great sense of expectation of what God will do. We, we, we pray in English, I sometimes pray in Greek, and I pray in tongues. And we're just praying, 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 with a great sense of expectancy. Now, I don't do like a, you know, a prayer triplet, let's pray for three people. I mean, come on, I know a lot more than three. So why, you know, I'm not going to say I've got a list of 50 people, but I'm only going to select three, you know. Well, pray for the Lord. Now, look, can you somehow 
work out a system in your daily schedule where you can give time to being intentional in praying for the lost. Pray for the lost. Praying. Principle two, caring. What's principle one? Praying. Principle two, caring. People do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. They don't care how much we know until they know how much do we actually care. Now, so Killy and I, we were walking in our Jerusalem, right, where we live, our community. We're walking around, we're praying. And as we're praying, I see this woman, and I said to my wife, Killy, Killy, is that the lady that lives like seven doors up from us, who's a single mother, who's got a sick son? And Killy says, I think it is. And at that moment, I had a little battle in my mind. Shall I? Shan't I? Have I got time? Have I not got time? Can I be bothered? Can I not be bothered? Do you know, every time now I get a quiver in my liver, <laughs> I just do it. I just do it. I, I, I just go with it. The reason I go with it is it might be a God appointment. So I walk up to this woman and I said to her, excuse me, is your name Barbara? And she says, yes, it is. I said, Barbara. And then she interrupted me. She says, you're J. John, aren't you? I said, I said yes. She said, you're a minister, aren't you? I, and I said, yes, I am. But I said, but Barbara, I heard that you have a son. And she says, I've only got one son. And I said, I've heard he's ill. She said, he's dying. Can you go now to the hospice and pray for him? And I thought, what does she think I do all day? <laughs> I mean, does she think I've got nothing to do? You know how hum your humanness? And then I thought, he's dying. Have I got anything more important than that? So we walk home, we pick up the car, we have to drive, we find the hospice, we find him, he's sleeping. Killy says, oh, he's sleeping. Look, now we know where he is, let's go, we'll come back later. I said, I'm not coming back later. So I kicked the bed really hard. <laughs> and I really hurt my leg. And, and, and he woke up, he woke up. Now, his name's Johnny. He's 32 years of age, okay? So he wakes up and he looks at me. And I said, hello, Johnny. I said, uh, my name's Jay John. Uh, and this is my wife, Killy. I said, I'm a minister. I've just met your mother. And your mother asked me to come and pray for you. I said, would you like that? Okay, and, th and this is what happened. I'll do it with this gentleman. He just looked at me like that. And he stared me out. It was so uncomfortable. Isn't this uncomfortable? I know, because you don't know whether to look left, right. It's awkward, <laughs> isn't it? And it was like, no. He, he just, and it was so awkward. And then this is what he said. I would rather have a hug. Killy and I bent down. He lifted himself slightly up, and the three of us held each other. And he started crying. Killy and I started crying. And we all, we, the three of us just embraced each other. And then he let go. We let him go. We let him down. I said, look, Johnny, do you want the prayer anyway? He said, look, I'm an atheist, but if you need to pray, go ahead. <laughs> so I said, I will. So I put my hand on his heart like this, and I prayed inside. I didn't pray outside. I didn't get all Pentecostal about it. Oh! she came on a Honda she came on a Honda when did she come on a Honda oh rubber dinghy 
Rubber dinghy? What do you want a rubber dinghy for? I didn't pray on the outside. I prayed on the inside. On the inside, I was praying, Jesus, just one touch from the king. Jesus, please, you stood over Peter's mother-in-law when she was ill. Please come and stand over this man. And then all I said was, Amen. And then I, I just spoke to him for a little bit. And I said, hey, Johnny, do you want me to visit you again? He goes, I'd really like that. Now, look, before someone, right, when you, before you're a Christian, you're in minus territory, okay? When you become a Christian, you cross a line. You're, you're born again. You receive Jesus. Then you're in plus territory, when you're in minus territory, you might go all the way up to minus 100. Okay, he was minus 100. I kept visiting him, minus 90. Kept visiting him, minus 80. Kept go visiting, minus 70, minus 60, 50. Every time I went, and the more little conversation, the more that was happening, you could see his understanding, his misunderstandings were being cleared up. Nearer and nearer, I was bringing him nearer and nearer. And I went one time, and he was in a lot of pain. But, and, and, but I, the, something happened. It was as if his countenance just changed. It just changed. The next morning, very early in the morning, knock on our door. We open the door. It's the mother. She's crying. She said, he died last night. She said, would you speak at his funeral? The mother, a new ager asking me to speak at the funeral. I said, of course I'll speak at the funeral. Now, he was a DJ, but I didn't realize he was a famous DJ. I mean, I just meet so many people all the time. I don't know who does what. I don't know. You know but he's a really famous nightclub DJ and, and, uh, called Johnny Sadassi. And there were 800 people at the funeral, and I speak. I, I finished speaking at the funeral, I, I stepped down. I literally stepped down. As I stepped down, I'm mobbed. I'm mobbed. I've got people here, and they're, they're trying to talk to me. I've got people here pulling my arm. I've got people here, and they're going, they're going, Reverend John, Reverend John, what did you mean that you can go to heaven via King's Cross? Yeah, but listen, 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 listen. Let's reenact this. Let's reenact this. My wife and I are just walking in our Jerusalem. We're just walking, praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh, bashambo, roshingambo, akulo. You know, we're just praying. And then oh, you get a quiver in your liver. And then you think, shall I? Shan't I? And I did. And as a consequence, I don't know, did Johnny meet Jesus? Oh, I don't know. I tell you this, he was much nearer Jesus when he died than when I first met him. Yeah? And then I speak at the funeral and to 800 people, and I'm helping them on the journey, praying, caring, praying, caring. Our next-door neighbors, they're not Christians. They call my wife and I the neighbors from heaven. I mean, that actually, that's quite nice, isn't it? We wouldn't want to be called the neighbors from the other side. <laughs> and um, the lady had a stroke, got admitted into hospital. The man contacts my Killy and says to Killy, because he was not very well, could you and J. John put me to bed every night. I come back from somewhere. Killy says, oh, we've been asked to put him to bed every night. I said, what does every night mean? <laughs> I mean, what does it mean? Killy says, I think every night means every night. <laughs> and I'm like, every night? Every night? Do you know, it's easier for me 
to bypass Jerusalem, bypass Judea, bypass Samaria. Oh, let me go to South America or let me go to New Zealand and ignore my neighbours. And they're the ones God has called me primarily to reach. Okay, so we start, so first night, 10 o'clock, he wants to be put to bed. We go at 10, put him to bed. The next night, now I'm not always around, so we said that if I'm not around, one of our sons would help and that sort of thing. And the second night, I said, let's go around 9.30. Killy says, no, 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 he said 10 o'clock. I said, I know he said 10 o'clock, but, but he's been home alone all day. So we go at 9.30, and he said, you're early. We said, oh, we've come for a chat. It was like having a drink from a fire hydrant. He loved it. The next night, I said, let's go round at nine. <laughs> let's just sit with the man for an hour and just talk, just talk. You see, praying, caring. Now, meanwhile, his wife, who uh, had the stroke, fell into a coma. She's then transferred from our local hospital to the John Ratcliffe Hospital in Oxford. And uh, her daughter came round to see us to say they just met with the consultants and the consultant said that there's no brain activity. And she's on a life support machine. And uh, they've decided that after five days they're going to switch the machine off. So Killy says, look, can we visit her before you switch the machine off? And the daughter said, oh, please would you visit because my mum was very fond of you and that would be lovely. Anyway, the only time we, I could go was the fifth day because of my schedule. Fifth day, the day before they're going to switch the machine off. And now we're driving to Oxford and I'm in a bit of a bad mood. I'm like, can't believe it. She was in the local hospital 10 minutes away. Now we've got to drive <laughs> to Oxford. Have you realized that evangelism is not always convenient? It's not always convenient. You know, and you've got to drive to another hospital, you've got to find how to park your car, and then you haven't got any coins for your car. And it's like, it's stressful. Anyway, we arrive at an intensive care. She's in a room by herself. We, we walk, it was, it was amazing. We open the door, two nurses walk out, we walk in. So I said, hello, Joyce. It's the neighbors from heaven. She's got tubes all over her. I said, Joyce, we're going to pray now. So I got her hand. I held Killy's hand. Killy held her other hand. I said, Joyce, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, if you'd like to join in, you can join in. Okay. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And when we said your kingdom come, she woke up. It was very scary <laughs> because it happened like slow motion, <laughs> like that. It was really scary. Anyway, she woke up. So um, we go back, we go back, we go and see the husband. We say to him, Alec, Joyce woke up. He said, no, she didn't. Uh, no, no, she did wake up. He said, no, she didn't. And we said, no, well, she did. He said, she didn't wake up. It didn't really matter. She came back a few days later, and uh, she's still alive. Yeah. Now, now, I've told you two stories, one about Johnny, one about Joyce, okay? Prayed for, well, with Joyce, we only prayed the Lord's Prayer. Well, actually, we only prayed half of it, and she woke up. Johnny, I visited him multiple times, and I, I tried to bring him nearer to Jesus, and he died. Listen, we live in a world of miracle and mystery, okay? Now, God, he can handle miracle and mystery. So if God's okay about it, then you and I should be okay about it. You know, if God's chilled out, let's chill out, you know? <laughs> the government is on his shoulders what that means is the responsibility is all on his shoulders it's not on us christians are an easter people 
living in a Good Friday world, but it often feels like Easter Saturday. We know about the resurrection, but we're living in a broken world, and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. So look, just chill, just be relaxed. Let's be intentional in praying. Let's be intentional in caring. And thirdly, let's be intentional in sharing. Praying, caring, sharing. Please repeat. Praying, caring, sharing. You see, you and I, we're carriers of the presence of Jesus. We're carriers of the presence of Jesus. When Kelly and I got married... Uh, in 1983, we had no money. Uh, my parents had rejected me when I became a Christian, uh, threw me out of the house, so they didn't come to the wedding. And, you know, we had no money, didn't have any money for, a, you know, like a good honeymoon and all that sort of thing. Anyway, 25 years later, I was like, right, silver, about to get the silver medal. I'm going to do some great things to celebrate our marriage, you know, and make up a bit for those, those early starts. So I was thinking, I'm going to organize lots of different things. And I thought, I know, I'm going to find like one of these spas, top 10 spas of the world, and we'll go and have a spa day. I thought, yeah, that would be great. So I did all my research, found the spa, booked the spa. We arrived. The doors open. As the doors open, I'm like, oh, no. There was this corridor full of Buddhas. <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, no, no. I, there were no Buddhas on the website. There was no Buddhas. I never saw a Buddha on the website. And, and now we're walking through a corridor of Buddhas. <laughs> Candles. And then the other two doors open. And as the other two doors open, this lady comes with a gong. Bong! <laughs> welcome! Welcome! And I was like, no. It's like, got a really bad vibe. But it's like, what can you do? We're stuck. So then they take us into the couple suite. And uh, they say to us, the bath is already ready. It's got minerals. You need to soak in the bath. And uh, then you, for 30 minutes, then you have a shower, lie on the two tables, and we'll come back for your first treatment. So the two ladies, bong, off they go. <laughs> I said to Killy, 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 can you feel? Can you feel the oppression? She says, I can feel it. I can feel it. I said, listen, let's clean it. She says, look, I'll have a bath. You clean it. <laughs> So she's having a bath, and I'm cleaning it. I'm like, basham, butter, butter. I'm walking around there. There was no window. There was no window. So I couldn't open the window to get rid of this oppressiveness. There was um, the door. There was a little bit under the door, and I was like, get out, get out. And then I called in the presence of the Lord. It, that took me a good 20 minutes to clean it to, until I felt, ah, yes, the presence of the Lord. And then I had to hurry to have the bath and the shower and then, and then get on the bed. I'm on the bed. I was so tired. I had my head, the head in the hole. The towel, it fell, it fell, and my head got a bit jammed in the hole. The two therapists, the two therapists, they walk in. They walk in. Now listen to what, listen to what one of the therapists said. This is what she said. Who are you? I'm like trying to get my head out of the hole. And I can, you know, you can feel you've got this mark here. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And she says, what have you done to this room? So I said, ah, you mean the aroma. <laughs> she says, yes, the aroma. You see, she was a new ager. So she could feel the vibe was different. So the next six hours... We're telling her about the aroma of Christ. You and I are carriers of the presence of Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. 
Wherever you're walking, you're carrying the presence of Jesus. If I go into a hotel room, the first thing my wife and I do, we pray. We put our bags down. I, I lay hands on the bed. I release any demon of, of, of adultery, of immorality. We cleanse the room. We pray the Holy Spirit within, within honestly, one minute transformed. We are carriers of the presence. Praying, caring, sharing. It's a, an intentionality. I was, I was having my hair cut. And the lady cutting my hair, called Mary, she had her keys just by the mirror in front of me. On her keys was a key ring. And her, her key, on her key ring was a rabbit's foot. I said, Mary, why have you got a rabbit's foot on your key ring? Oh, she said, that's to bring me good luck. I said, Mary, the rabbit wasn't lucky. <laughs> bring you any luck she went she got the rabbit's foot off the key chucked it in the bin I said to her Mary my wife and I we're running in our home agnostics anonymous would you like to come oh yes please can I bring my husband yes we had 16 people in our home every week. Meal, Agnostics Anonymous. You know, look, whatever it is that works for you, do it. Yeah. Praying, caring, sharing. We, one of our favorite little restaurants is, a, is in a restaurant in a little village called Old Amersham, near where we live. And um, uh, we went to this restaurant and the owner and the chef, he came out, he said, oh, he said, I was so happy to see that you two were booked in for lunch today. And I'll tell you exactly what he said, quote, because when you come into my restaurant, you bring in an aura. Now, he didn't, he didn't have in his vocabulary, you bring in the presence of Jesus. You bring in the aroma of Christ. He didn't have any of that. But he knew that we carried something. So I, uh, and I said, how are you? And he expressed a particular need. I said, I'll pray about that. He said, will you? I said, yes, I will. His eyes filled with tears. He said, I don't think anyone's ever prayed for me. Anyway, we had our, our lunch. I, I said to Killy, Killy, should we invite him and his wife to come for Sunday lunch? So we invite them for Sunday lunch, okay? He's an incredible chef. So we invite him and his wife for Sunday lunch. As we invite him for lunch, he starts crying. He says, I've had this restaurant for 15 years. No one has ever invited us for Sunday lunch. He said, we would love to come. So they come for Sunday lunch. And then at the end of the lunch, you've got to come to our home. And we're like, no, 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 no. No, you, you, don't feel you have to invite us because we invited you. No, we like you. We want you to come. And we've been helping them on their journey, on their journey, on their journey. You see, we don't have to wake up in the morning and go, oh, where are the non-Christians? <laughs> they are everywhere. Everywhere. I was speaking at this university, and it was, it was incredible, actually, because uh, the indoor auditoriums were not big, big enough to contain the people that were coming. We, I think we had like 4,000 people were coming to the meetings. So we had to have them in the open air. And after I finished speaking at one meeting, someone was asking me a question. And this girl came along, interrupted us rudely. And she said to me, I hated what you said. So I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She says, church ruins people's lives. I said, oh, I'm very sorry that you feel that. I said, look, have you got a few minutes? And she's like, why? I said, if you've got a few minutes, can we go and have a coffee? And she's like, I don't know. 
I said, look, well, you need to tell me so I know if we're going or not going. And she's like... <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's like, all right, all right. Very reluctant. Anyway, so we went, found a coffee shop, got the coffee, sat down. I said to her, why, why are you so angry? All, all this vomit comes out. So I said, listen, that was a Monday. I said, come and hear me tomorrow, and, I'll, and then we'll go for coffee. She said, I don't know. She came and went for coffee. I said, come and hear me Wednesday, then we'll go for coffee. I don't know. She came and went for coffee. I said, I said come and hear me Thursday, then we'll go for coffee. She says, I'm coming. We went for coffee. I said, the last meeting is Friday. Come on Friday, then we'll go for coffee. Friday, converted. <laughs> Okay, that girl's name is Christine Kane. Christine Kane. She is one of the most dynamic speakers in the world today. If, you, if you've ever been to a Hillsong Colour Conference, she speaks to all of those. She is incredible. Five coffees. <laughs> Five coffees. And then after she came to Christ, she bought all the talks that I gave that week. She transcribed them. She memorized them. And she went all over Australia preaching them. <laughs> you see... Our responsibility as Christians is to go into God's orchard. And what we do is we check the fruit. God's orchard is the earth. We're checking the fruit. If the fruit is ripe for picking, what do you do? You, you pick it. Because if you don't pick it, one of two things happens. One, it overripes, falls to the ground and dies, or two, the Jehovah's Witnesses pick it. <laughs> you see, half the, half the time, the Christians, oh, my belly button, my belly button, my belly button. What have I got in my belly button? I've got some fluff in my belly button. Oh, let me smell it. My belly button. <laughs> it's like we're faffing about with our little belly button and, and all this fruit, all this fruit, the Jehovah's Witnesses are picking it, the Mormons are picking it, the Baha'is are picking it, everyone else is picking it. If the fruit is ripe, if you and I don't pick it, someone else would pick it. So there is a great sense of urgency. Do you know, John 1... One, in the beginning was the word. 500 years ago, a theologian called Erasmus, he translated it like this. In the beginning was the conversation. I think that's beautiful. In the beginning was the conversation. Keeping the conversation going. Just keeping the conversation about Jesus going. I, I wasn't brought up as a Christian, and I, I, I studied in London. And my first day at college, first day at college, in 1974, I was in the refectory. This guy comes up to me. He says to me, are you Greek? I said, I am. I said, are you Greek? He says, yes. Greek, Greek, kebab, kebab. It was da-da-da. <laughs> what course, what course, da 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 and, uh, and then it was time to go to lectures. He says, are you meeting anyone for lunch? I, I said, no. He said, should we have lunch? I said, yeah, yeah. So I go off to a lecture. He goes off to a lecture. We meet at lunchtime. He says, are you a Christian? I said, what? He said, are you a Christian? I said, I, d I don't really understand the question. I don't know. I, I obviously am not one because I don't even know what one is. And um, I said, are you a Christian? He goes, oh, yes, I am a Christian. He says, have you read the Bible? I said, uh, no. I, he says, have you got a Bible? I said, no. 
So he says, um, okay, uh, would you like a Bible? I said, oh, okay. So he says, so next day he arrives, he's bought me a Bible. He gives me a Bible. And he says, would you like me to explain it to you? I said, oh, okay, okay. He said, well, look, how about we have lunch once a week? And I explain to you what the Bible is. I said, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So he met me, I was minus 100. And then all the way through September, October, November, December, January, February, it was just bringing me closer and closer and closer. And then on the 9th of February, 1975, he showed me Revelation 3.20. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. If you hear the knock, open the door, let Jesus in. He said, have you heard Jesus knocking? I said, I think so. He said, have you opened the door? I said, where's the door? Where's the door? <laughs> he said, don't worry about where the door is. Just ask Jesus to break the door down. <laughs> so that evening, I said, Jesus, are you knocking on my door? If you are, can you break the door down? <laughs> the light came on. The light came on. My, to use the words of John Wesley, my heart was strangely warmed. I didn't know what it was, but my heart was warmed. My mind just, oh! my mother said, you're brainwashed. I said, mum, my brain has been washed. If you only knew, mum, what was in my brain, you'd be pleased it got washed. What if Andy Economides had never told me about Jesus? What would I be doing? Running a Greek restaurant somewhere in London? I don't know, because that's what my parents had a restaurant. I probably would have inherited the restaurant. That's probably what I'd be doing now. But he told me about Jesus. It totally transformed my life. See? Now, five years ago, I... I was preaching in Winchester Cathedral, and as I'm preaching, it may, as I'm preaching, I hear the Lord say to me, it's time. Because the cathedral was filled with 3,000 people, and we had to have 17 additional venues to accommodate all the people that were coming, about 10,000, you see. And I heard the Lord say, it's time. It's time for the football stadiums. It's time for, for my good news to be proclaimed in the football stadiums. And um, for, for a long time, I, I, I pondered it, I thought about it, and, um, and I realized that I was probably one of many people that the Lord was asking us to do this. And it cut a long story short, two years ago, we, uh, we booked the Emirates, the Emirates Football Stadium, the home of Arsenal Football Club, and we booked it. And the reason we, we booked it, because it's like, a, it's like a secular cathedral in Britain. And uh, we're going to show you a little film clip now, and then I'll, I'll make a couple of more comments, and then we'll wrap up. So just watch this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy. Welcome to the Emirates Stadium, the home of Arsenal Football Club. What an iconic and impressive stadium this is. We're going to be here on Saturday, the 8th of July, 2017. Joining us will be Hillsong to lead worship and Matt Redman and his band. Also joining us will be a number of people from all walks of life who will tell us a little bit about their own story and their journey with Jesus. Join us and bring a plus one. Bring the person that you have coffee with. Bring the person that you play sport with. Bring your neighbor, your colleague, your relative. Put the date in your diary, Saturday, 8th of July, 2017 and start thinking about your just one.
We're going to have a go. We're going to have a go. And then after we've done this one, God willing, we're going to do stadiums all over the Britain. That's what we're, we're believing for. And listen, it's, look, we're, we're trying to provide another opportunity to help everyone on their journey of faith. Now, for some people, some of your neighbours, family, friends, colleagues, you know, you could invite them here and they'll come. Others won't come. For some, you can invite them to a to a course like Alpha, and some will come, some will not come. You know, different people respond in different ways. Some people will come to this. They might come out curiosity. They might come and think, oh, wow. And listen, it might help them on their journey. If, if they're minus 50, God willing, at the end of it, they're minus 30. God willing, anyone that's minus 10 and under will say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And, you know, your church and the network of your church is, has huge um, influence. And, I mean, can you imagine, hypothetically, if, if Kensington Temple, if 1,000 of you, just 1,000 of you came and you all brought a plus one, okay, that means 2,000 of you would go. And let's say those 1,000 guests all made a positive step on their journey of faith, and then you invited them to your church, or whatever, or an inquirer's, or you kept up the relationship in a different way, helping them on your journey. You don't know what could happen just with this one event. But it's all about... Whether this was happening or not, it's still about praying, caring, sharing. It's still about that. But it's finding opportunities and access points where people can also access proclamation of the gospel, the persuasion of the gospel. You see, God works through praise he works through prayer. He works through presence. He works through power. He works through the prophetic. He works through persuasion. He works through proclamation. And God uses it all to help people. And our prayer, our prayer is that that stadium on the 8th of July will have 25,000 Christians in there only. We only want 25,000 Christians and 25,000 guests. That's why we're calling it just one. Just one. Because it's just one message. Just one day. Everyone bring a just one. So, 8th of July. If you haven't got a wedding, if you're not going anywhere an appointment that's already been pre-booked, book the date in your diary. Pray about who you could invite. By the way, you can bring more than one, but don't come without a plus one. You can, have, you can bring two, three, four. In fact, Killy and I, we, uh, we currently have, uh, I think we've got 79 guests that we're bringing. Well, why not? Why not? Let's invite as many as possible to come. Book the date in your diary, book your tickets. I'm going to conclude and by praying, and I would like to pray a prayer of impartation for all of us. Could you all please stand? Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Lord Jesus, forgive us where we have failed you 
in being good witnesses. And Lord, we, I know I have regrets and disappointments in how I try to communicate to my extended family, not always very caringly or compassionately or sensitively. Lord, I, I pray for myself as I do for my sisters and brothers here, where we haven't done it very well, we pray that you would forgive us and that you will lift, it, lift that disappointment off from us. Lord, at times we have fear, not faith. And we're asking you because you say that your perfect love casts out fear. So we're praying now, Lord God, that your perfect love would so fill us that there would be no fear in us about anything but only faith. We pray now, Lord Jesus, for a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. We pray that you will empower us to be witnesses. And we pray that as we choose now, this moment, that we will become intentional in praying, in caring, and in sharing that we will be able to reach the world by reaching our world. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have done over the years, over the decades here in this uh, an amazing church, amazing location, locations all over London. And Lord, we pray that this church, Kensington Temple, will enter a season of great multiplication as the flock reaches out to the fringe and reaches out to beyond the fringe. And we pray, Lord God, that there would be in this, even in this year ahead, many, many, many people receiving you, surrendering to you, bowing their knee to you, and becoming disciples. So we pray, Lord God, even tonight, tomorrow, as we pray for our neighbours and our friends and our colleagues and our family. Show us who we can care for. Show us how we can keep the conversation about you going. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have a concern about your health, or you're concerned about the health of someone you love. Just put your hand now on your heart. Just put it on your heart. That means you're either representing yourself or someone else. Lord Jesus, you reign and rule. You are the resurrection. You are the Lord. You are the King. You are the great physician. Lord, where there is any kind of disease, sickness or infection, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will flush it out of our bodies, out of the bodies of those that we're representing. We pray that where there has been any kind of degeneration, we pray now for regeneration, we pray for restoration, we pray for health and wholeness in body, in mind, and in spirit. We pray that you will rest your healing balm upon us. And even in these next 24 hours, Lord, we pray that you will give us a tangible sign of your healing at work. 
We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord God, thank you for all the many opportunities that we have. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity on the 8th of July. And we pray, Lord God, that the Emirates Stadium uh, will be filled and that the Emirates Stadium will have people who will step and forward and receive you as their saviour. We pray that thousands of people will progress in their journey of faith. And we pray that you'd use the 8th of July as you will any other initiative, any other meeting, every Sunday service. We pray that we would enter a season where we can see a spiritual awakening in our capital and in our land. So Lord God, we pray your blessing upon us. We pray for the, your blessing so that we can be so blessed, we'll just bless others. So bless us, Lord God, we pray, with the blessing of God the Father, with the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.